Hey guys, welcome to BFR Tuesday. Today is June 8th. And in this episode, I talk about low intensity shockwave therapy and how I combine that with BFR to maximize my patient's results. I also talk about how to exercise muscles like the glutes that are not necessarily influenced with the cuffs because the cuffs sit below it. So tune in and here we go. You are listening to the BFR University Podcast with your host, Dr. Ed LaCara. BFR University is dedicated to helping people learn safe and effective ways to implement blood flow restriction training into their lives. And now, here's your host, Dr. Ed LaCara. Hey, hey, what's going on? BFR Tuesday. Thanks, everybody, for... Uh catch me today. My name is Ed LaCara. I do this BFR Tuesday, every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Central Time in order to answer any questions around BFR. I also like to bring on other people that are using BFR, either in their clinics or their training facilities, talk a little bit of BFR shop, uh, share some research, which is what I'm going to do today. Um, a recent study coming out of, the, um, out of Brazil and the National Strength and Conditioning Association for Performance-Based Training. I am going to include that as a uh, handout. So let me see if I can find that for y'all. I got to throw the y'all in there because it's we are, I am in Dallas. All right. So if you go to the upper top right, uh, there'll be a handout, and it will uh, be the study that we just chat about today. All right. How I like to start these sessions, again, I try to keep these to Eokan from Turkey. Thanks for joining. Um, what I like to do is first answer any questions that people have, and then after I answer some questions, then I'm going to go into what um, I think is relevant and can um, help our thought process around BFR and our programming and our education. Um, and I typically will spend somewhere between 15 and 20 minutes every Tuesday doing this. It's, this is my lunchtime between patients. So, um, so yeah, let's get at it. Any questions? From the crowd prior to getting into uh, thoughts. Okay, Larry, thoughts on BFR for acute frozen shoulder. Um, yeah, so I use I use it, but not as a standalone. I use um, something called low intensity shockwave therapy. It's um, I've used many different modalities. Frozen shoulder is the most frustrating condition that I treat. Um, pretty much has been. Uh, we don't know why it comes on. We don't know the exact mechanisms and we don't know why exactly people get better um, sooner or later. It uh, seems to have a hormonal component, almost like a reflexive sympathetic dystrophy. Post-traumatic is most commonly why it comes on. Um, frustrating. So what I do is try to restore range of motion um, using the shockwave therapy. I've 
had limited success with class four laser. Um, I don't have a class four laser anymore. I just didn't see the benefits compared to what I get with the low intensity shockwave. Um, so I use that to get the mobility and then I will use BFR uh, strengthening at least to try to maintain strength um, in that shoulder because usually we classify it as a frozen shoulder because it's so limited in the range of motion. Normally that range of motion, I find it's either external rotation or it could be internal rotation. Everybody's just a touch different. Um, so my thoughts are, yes, use it. You're using low intensity load to try to maintain muscle mass or build muscle mass. Um, I don't see it as a panacea for, hey, all of a sudden now I've got this great range of motion. Um, but use it definitely for strength, use it for crossover. So if this is my involved shoulder, I will use BFR on the opposite side. So I get the crossover effect or the systemic effect. Johan, hello, I just got my BFR a few days ago. The low setting for legs is good, though the low setting on the arms is barely anything. It feels like a baby trying to grab my arm. 48 LOP for my arm. Yeah, so go to medium. That's all, keep bumping it up. You can go 50% LOP um, in the arm. It's gonna be somewhere normally 60 to 80. So just keep increasing it. Um, that's not abnormal. You want to give yourself three or four sessions prior to, you know, trying to pump it up. But if it doesn't feel like much, then it, yeah, you're in, increase it. All good there. Best BFR paper regarding the hamstring muscle group. Um, I would look at, I would look at a few of the ACL studies, primarily look at uh, meta-analysis. Uh, I'm trying to think of the author. Uh, geez. Um, let me see if I can give you an author for one of the most recent meta-analysis on ACLs. can't think of it. I don't want to spend any time. Yeah, Hughes, that would be a good one. Um, I think that's where you're going to see mostly your hypertrophy of that upper leg. Um, that's the best one. I can't, I can't recall any. Mm, my data bank is like blanking right now on any that I can think of that would include just hamstring itself, like BFR and a Nordic hamstring curl or BFR and a Copenhagen for adductors. I can't BFR for glute bridge, you know, with in combination with glute bridging. I can't think of anything top of mind. If you come up with anything, let me know because that, that's, uh, that'll be interesting, but you should see hypertrophy of the quad um, and hamstring with some of those BFR studies. All right, cool. Anything else right now? Need more research is needed regarding the hamstring muscle group. Yeah, I mean, it's such a large problem that I see is underdeveloped 
hamstring, strength and hypertrophy, leading to quad dominance. I think it's the major contributor to patellar tendon issues. I think it's a major contributor to um, at least a, a large mechanism, the, the power in women's hamstring as it starts to plateau or actually go down after the age of 12 compared to men on um, the increased incidence in ACLs. I think the I think that the hamstring it plays a huge role in uh, preventing anterior translation of the tibia on the femur, and um, so yeah, I think I think I would love to see, you know, just hamstring hypertrophy or strength measured and. Um, some simple exercises like a, a standing hamstring curl with um, ankle weights or, uh, you know, like maybe a three bout exercise, um, like a dynamic exercise or a multi-joint like glute bridge combined with hamstring curl and um, maybe one other hamstring exercise uh, looking at strength and hypertrophy of the hamstring. I think that'd be a great study. Simple, um, but yeah, I, I think that it's very important. Abe, now that I have my equipment and using it two or three times a week and other exercises and taking into consideration a 45 to 60 minute schedule, how many times a week should I use my cuffs? Um, that's a good question. I think um, depends on how you want to program. Um, you could use them daily. Like you could do, uh, like if you split your workouts, you can do uh, like a BFR aerobic capacity training in the morning and then do your resistance training at night or afternoon when our hormone levels are, um, are at its, at their peak or optimum for uh, strength and hypertrophy, like around that two o'clock or three o'clock. Everybody's a little bit different. Um, you could do, if, if you want strength and hypertrophy using BFR or just regular training, you're going to need to train that muscle group um, at least two to three times per week. So, you know, you could do legs one day, you could do arms the next day, you could do push-pull, you could do push on Monday, pull on uh, Wednesday. Um, it, it really, it, it's up to you, like how much time you have, how much, um, but just know that if you want a muscle group to grow, um, I would be more focused versus doing like whole body. Like if you're just wanting general fitness, like, hey, I just, just want to do general fitness three days a week, do a whole body workout, call it good. If you want to really focus on strength and hypertrophy of certain areas, I would make that my focused um, exercise day. And I would do it at least two or three times per week. It just, everybody is so different. It's hard for me just to make a general, general conclusion. Um, so if you want to go offline with me and we can, we can try to set up a training, uh, protocol for you, I'd be happy to do that. Sapphire, will BFR cuffs used on the upper legs improve muscle growth for the quads, glutes, or both? And quad dominant, I like to emphasize muscle growth in my glutes. That's a great, great question. I think that was alluding to what we were talking to with Ocon about. Um, the answer is yes. Um, I do think that there's some importance on programming. If you want to focus on glute, 
because the cuff is below the glute, um, you're gonna want to pre-fatigue any synergist muscle groups. So pre-fatigue the hamstring, do the hamstring exercise first. Let's say hamstring curl. Okay, let's just do a standing hamstring curl. We'll do it bilaterally. Do the right side, 30, 15, 15, 15. Do the left side, 30, 15, 15, 15. Um, deflate the cuffs, move on to your next exercise. Make the next exercise a glute exercise. So now you're gonna do a glute bridge. You'll have, when you do your glute bridge, be on your back, knees up, pull your heels really, really tight to your butt. Bring your toes up so you're on your heels and really try to focus by squeezing through that glute. And then a finisher would be like a, um, maybe go on your stomach and just do a uh, hip extender. So do three exercises, but pre-fatigue the glute with a um, hamstring exercise and you will, uh, you will be able to focus on that glute. If you wanna include your quad, do your quad as a finisher. Go to a fourth exercise and do like a long arc quad over the table. I think that that would be your best um, source of fatigue. Anytime that we're working above the cuff and I have an emphasis above the cuff in my arm, that would mean that I've got the cuff here and I'm emphasizing my shoulder. In the leg, I would be emphasizing my glute. Pre-fatigue the distal and then come back to proximal to the cuff, meaning on the opposite side of the cuff. Your biggest benefit always with BFR is going to be distal to the cuff. So knowing that we have to use that in our favor. And that actually is a really, really good way. Um, uh, let me just finish this one. I find that I need that I need one to two days to get to hundred percent. So I, it's like I break it down and then I heal and then I do it again. I, I find the way I can do real progress and cross exercise. Able, I don't understand that question. Will you, uh, or that statement, will you just rephrase that? I think there's a couple errors in there. So I'm, I'm getting caught up on it. I find that I need one to two days to get to, oh, one or two days, I'm thinking recovery. So one or two days to get back to 100%. Okay, so what I would do then is, here's a situation where you're gonna take two, let's say you take two days off in between body part training. What I would do is I would get about one rep from failure because you're gonna take two days off anyway. Um, that'll give your body enough time. Make sure you're doing two things after you train that way. Number one, you're getting enough amino acids in your system, either via amino acid supplementation or you're doing, uh, or protein supplementation, whey protein or collagen protein or whatever. Um, and number two, you're drinking enough water and making sure that your, your fluid intake is high, especially during the summer. Um, that will help with your recovery. Um, of course, making sure you get enough sleep. Um, all that self-care is really important for your recovery, especially as we age. Our ability to utilize protein and amino acids is diminished. 
We have a decrease in stem cell production. So our repair and our regeneration is going to take longer than it was when we were younger. Our growth hormone is not where it was when we were younger. So our repair process takes us longer. We just have to live with it. It is what it is. BFR helps stem cell production, but we can do things like making sure our diet and our hydration are good. We can make sure our sleep is good. Um, hey, great. So then you know you need two days. Take your exercises as close to failure as you can, um, and then that will help get a metabolic load. Uh, don't be sorry, Sapphire. That's why I am here. Um, I am trying to introduce BFR cups to a friend who is a moderate to heavy lifter, but has issues with putting too much stress on his joints. He doesn't believe that using BFR cups can be a replacement for lifting heavy weights in terms of muscle growth. Can it be? Well, yeah, I mean, um, you can use it multiple ways. I don't think it's ever a replacement for heavy lifting unless you can't lift heavy. But I do think that you augment so you're not the volume of heavy lifting gets reduced. So if um, you look at my webinar two or maybe it was three weeks ago, I had on here um, Mike Polisek from Jacksonville. We just did a study looking at Division One athletes, four week study. We use BFR augmenting their heavy load training. So two days a week they were doing BFR, two days a week they were doing um, heavy load training and they had crazy increases in um, one rep max. So yes, it can be, but it's not a replacement. It's when somebody can lift heavy loads, they should be using BFR as a finisher and they should be using BFR to reduce overall volume, not as a replacement. You continue to use heavy loads. And the reason I think is we wanna keep stressing bone. Um, we wanna keep stressing tendon. We wanna keep stressing muscle using the high intensity uh, lifting, meaning 65 to 90% one rep max. Safar, you can find the previous seminar um, on my YouTube channel. It's um, It would be my interview with Mike Polisek. If it's not up there, it just hasn't been um, edited yet. Um, my YouTube channel is just Ed LaCara. I'll put that in the notes here. Um, also, BFR University is my website that I post all my stuff um, as of recently. I'm putting everything on there just so it separates from my personal kind of rehab and clinic. All right, great questions today. Love it. I appreciate everybody joining. Um, I'm going a little bit long here because of the questions, but I do want to introduce this study. I put this in in the handout. It looks like uh, five people have downloaded it, so make sure to download that. All right, so I'm gonna switch over, share my screen so I can talk about this study. Um, so, all right, hopefully everybody can see this. Okay, yep, looks like you can. So I'm gonna drop this. Okay, so this was out of the uh, National Strength and Conditioning Research, our research group, big research group, out of School of Physical Education and Sport out of uh, Brazil. This came to my attention um, in a group that I'm on on Facebook. Um, and and the, the question was, well, BFR doesn't work. Um, 
Now we know with over 600 studies that that's not true. So of course I wanted to go take a look at it. So the title BFR blood flow restriction does not promote additional effects on muscle adaptations when combined with high load resistance training, regardless of blood flow restriction protocol. So we just published the study looking at um, combining combining BFR and low intensity and we with high load training and we saw benefits. So of course this piqued my curiosity. Um, I can't just go off of a title. I've got to go into the methods. Um, I highlighted a few different things here. Um, essentially, therefore, the aim of the study was to investigate the effects of eight weeks of high load resistance training combined with BFR during rest intervals or during muscle contractions and compare them to those of conventional high load resistance training. Okay, so um, a couple interesting things. Number one, I kind of look at these studies and I look, are they measuring arterial occlusion pressure and finding personalized pressures for everybody? Because I think that that's important. So that way we have, we're comparing apples to apples. The answer to that was yes, they were finding occlusion um, and then doing a percentage, 80% to be exact, in the lower extremity. So they were using the appropriate limb occlusion pressure according to the research and they were finding AOP, very important. Were they training um, enough? Yep, twice a week for eight weeks, that should be enough um, in order to see change. Remember, two to three times per week is as effective as five. Now it gets interesting. Um, for blood flow restriction, they were using, uh, they were inflating the cuffs only on the rest period. And then for BFRC, the cuff was inflated immediately before each set and remained inflated during the contractions. And it was deflated immediately after the set ending. So basically they were doing, um, they weren't doing continuous BFR, they were doing intermittent BFR. And what they were relying on was the metabolic accumulation. So basically trying to create an accumulation of the metabolic load um, and seeing if that wouldn't stimulate muscle growth or strength change. And the answer was no. And that doesn't surprise me. Um, they saw change due to the high intensity training, but they didn't see any additional change with uh, the BFR protocols. So. You can go through and read this. Um, I will discuss this, uh, but I'll just, I'll stop sharing my. So we, ha we have two different ways that we can train. We can train intermittent BFR, meaning that we don't have the cuffs on during the exercise. We have it during, on during the rest period or we are training um, continuous BFR, meaning that I keep the cuffs on during the whole exercise. I'm a proponent of low intensity training with BFR throughout the whole exercise, then deflating for a minute before moving on to your next exercise. When we put the cuff on the upper extremity and I do an upper extremity exercise, I am relying on that cuff to block arterial flow, sorry, venous return and arterial and limit arterial flow in. That arterial flow in is um, going to be uh, reduced. So we're going to create a hypoxic environment. But more importantly, 
when we're blocking the metabolites from getting into the system, one of the main things that happens is lactate gets shuttled back through the liver to create more sugar. That sugar goes back into the system to continue oxygen-based exercise. So when we're not doing that, we are cutting off one of the ways that our body is utilizing and producing ATP. And we're forcing our body into anaerobic type activity. I think forcing ourselves into that anaerobic type activity is one of the main reasons that we get early fatigue using light loads. And so when we're only using BFR on the rest periods, I'm not, we're not going to see much of a change. I, I don't expect change to occur. Not on top of high intensity exercise. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Um, this confirms that, you know, I look at studies, is it helping me confirm what I'm currently doing or is it changing my mind about how I'm programming? And this one is a great study. I think it's a good study. It's a valid study. It's been published by a peer reviewed, very high respected journal article or journal publication. And it's basically confirming that we want to do BFR, cuffs inflated, low intensity exercise. That's what we program 30, 15, 15, 15, or right around there. If we take it to failure, then we need more rest in between. Totally fine. We're going to have more soreness. Um, but we're going to do that not as a replacement for high intensity exercise. If we're doing high intensity exercise, do high intensity exercise and then use BFR after your high intensity exercise bout as a finisher as a complement, not as a replacement. And if we're gonna use it to reduce volume, like I was talking before with Sapphire, then, then do it as a finisher or do it on a separate day so you're not having to lift heavy load two, three, four, five days extra per week. You're replacing it so your overall volume over the course of a year is much lower. So hopefully that makes sense. It's an augment for high intensity. Yeah, that's all I'll say. Do you think that cuff is so wide? Yeah, 17 and a half is super wide. Let me grab my tape measure. So 17 and a half would be this, this wide. So that's a pretty, that's a pretty wide cuff. Um, 17 and a half, that's, oops, sorry. Remember, we're in, a, in the United States for whatever reason, because we have to be different. We have to drive on the opposite side of the road and we have to use a non-metric system like the rest of the world. Or I'm not used to what 17 and a half, like my brain doesn't even know what that really means. Um, but it's, uh, it's right around six and three quarters inches. So it's, it's pretty wide, it's okay. Um, usually that'll require less, um, less inflation in order to get to limb occlusion pressure, which is good. Less pressure, it's a little bit less comfortable. So, you know, a little bit narrower is more comfortable. That's why we didn't go so wide. So it's always a happy medium between comfort exercising and safe pressures. So I, I think it's wide for sure, but it's not out of crazy. All right, my friends. So hopefully that is helpful. Um, 
If you have any questions before next week, please reach out to me. Uh, BFR University um, on social media is a great way to have a um, public forum, especially on any of my posts. And if you want to see any of the um, previous webinars, I've been doing this now weekly for, gosh, I think it's been three years. So my assistant's trying to get those uploaded um, as we as we speak and get as many of them uploaded as we as we go onto either my YouTube channel or uh, BFR University. All right, thanks so much. Um, if you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure to um, follow me and like. It all is very helpful. We will see you next week. Bye for now.